from a, a family of origin where my father was in three branches of the military. And then he was a policeman. So if we knew anything at our house, it was the law and what happens when you break it. So I came out of my teenage years with rage. And some people call it anger, but it really wasn't even anger, it was rage. I had a rage problem. I had, uh, I got into physical altercations with other people. I have, there are still holes in the walls in my home where we've been remodeling our house for several years. And so I've hidden most of it behind a mirror or a picture frame or something like that, but there are holes in my walls. Uh, broken plate, plates, broken remote control. I used my car once to push somebody off the road. Thankfully it was dark, so I didn't get in trouble for that. So I'm not proud of it, but I, I tell you that because of what God told me. So in my first dealings with God, my father, I'll have to tell you this background story. So I got married very young, about, I was about, I was 20, but I had just turned. And I invited my dad, I sent my dad an invitation to the wedding. And he summoned me to his home. And I didn't want to go because I knew what was going to happen. You know, dad didn't. We don't discuss things. Dad says what it's going to be, and you just do it. And if you don't, then you pay. So I didn't want to go, but I went because I was afraid not to, so I went. And we had a discussion, which was him telling me how it was going to be, and he wanted me to move the date of the wedding, and I wouldn't do that because I was living with the man who became my husband. So I was trying to get out of that situation as quickly as possible, so I wouldn't move the date. And when I wouldn't move the date, he started to get loud, and I got loud because I was done. I was done being controlled and dominated and manipulated. I was done. But I was still scared. So. I maintained that I wasn't going to move the date, and he got loud, I got loud, and he, he said to me something like, you will, and I said, I won't, and I got up, and he was, he was yelling, just, just got louder and louder, and he was yelling, and I said, I'm not, and I got in my car, and I drove away. And he followed me out the driveway, screaming at me, you'd better be sure this is what you want. And I said, I'm sure. And I left. So I'm not proud of it, because that's very dishonoring to your mother and father, right? But I just was finished. I was finished. Fast forward, he didn't, he didn't come to my wedding. He didn't walk me down the aisle. And I knew when he screamed at me out the door and chased me down the driveway, I knew what he was saying. This is the last time we will talk. And I was fine with that at that point. So he didn't come to the wedding, broke my heart. That was terrible. Um, didn't come to the wedding, didn't walk me down the aisle. Five years later, 
I came home from work and there was a pink birthday card on the kitchen table with my father's handwriting addressed to me. And I picked it up and my husband had opened it and read the only words that my father had said to me in five years. And I don't know what happened to me, but I had a black outrage. It was the first and only time that that has ever happened to me. But I physically tried to climb him like a tree and I was, I was hitting, cursing, spitting, screaming, you name it. And when that was over, I had no idea what had even happened to me. And I was so ashamed of my behavior. And it was very clear I had no control over myself. So I went to God and, and I said to him, I don't care what you have to do to me or how long it takes, but whatever you have to do to fix this, do it. <laughs> I, was, I was scared. And he said to me, the very first thing that God ever said to me out of the scriptures, did anybody bring a Bible? <gasps> we have one, two, you, okay, well I can't, I can't. I'm gonna make arrangements, I'm gonna send you a free book, all right? Uh, Proverbs chapter 2611. As a dog returns to his vomit, so a fool repeats his folly. As a dog returns to his vomit. That's pretty gross. That's in the Bible. As a dog returns to his vomit, so a fool repeats his folly. And because it's in the Bible, what I know is you have vomit too. Maybe it's not anger. Maybe it's some sort of self-medication. Maybe it's alcohol. Maybe it's food. Maybe it's drugs. Maybe it's porn. Maybe it's working too much. But whatever it is, what I know is that you have vomit. Because the word of God applies to every single one of us. So here's my question. We're talking about healing the father wound. But the catechism tells us in 2779 that the purification of our hearts has to do with maternal and paternal images. The purification of our hearts has to do with paternal and maternal images. Purification is the whole point why we're here. Because the truth is we've all been sinned against. Whether it's parents or another authority figure or someone else entirely, we've all been sinned against. We all have wounds. And even if we had great parents, they can't give us everything we need. So we have wounds, parental issues, mother and father wounds. But they all, those all wounds affect our understanding of God, our Heavenly Father. I had an aunt once who told me that she, she prayed, when she prayed, she imagined climbing up in God's lap, and I was like, that's weird. I have no desire to be there. No desire to be in God's lap at all. 
because God was terrifying, because my father was terrifying. Punishment, condemnation, judgment, criticism. Never good enough. You do one thing and he finds the one error in it or the one flaw or the one fault. And at some point, you just give up. Or you say, you know what, F you. I'm done. So if you're there, I understand. But I can tell you, God can and wants to and will heal that. Your thoughts, your emotions, your body, our bodies carry all of that. The emotion, the anger, the hurt, the woundedness. Jesus said in Matthew chapter 6, verse 19, I'm sorry, 22, the lamp of the body is the eye. If therefore your eye is good, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eye is bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. If therefore the light that is in you is darkness, how great is that darkness? The lamp of the body is the eye. The church fathers say that that eye is the spirit. The eye. The lamp of the body is the spirit. The spirit, according to Thomas Aquinas, is your thoughts, your emotions, your personality, your soul, heart, soul, mind, personality, everything that makes you, you. If, it, if that is single, then your whole body is full of light. How many of you, you're young, so maybe not, but how many of you have things like chronic fatigue, autoimmune, migraines, back pain, gut issues, panic attacks. All of that comes from woundedness. 80%, did you know this? 80% of our physical issues are spiritually and emotionally rooted. Go to any doctor and they'll say, you need to reduce your stress, right? Where does stress come from? Stress comes from something I call pop quizzes. As a dog returns to his vomit, so a fool repeats his folly. Here's what I know. Everything in creation repeats in patterns. Tides, weather, orbits, DNA, flower petals, your behavior. Your behavior repeats in patterns. As a, a dog returns to his vomit, so a fool repeats his folly. Everything in creation repeats in patterns. I call these pop quizzes now, but guaranteed, you get into situations with certain people that cause that vomit to start in your gut. You can feel it, not, not literal vomit, emotional vomit, an eruption. You can feel it coming. When I get into situations, not now, but especially before, and with my husband especially, because I love him and I respect him and he loves me. I hope he respects me, I think he does. Men in authority over me who tried to control or manipulate me or were critical. 
oh my gosh. And lo and behold, I kept getting into relationships with people that were just like my dad. I kept encountering people that were just like my father. Repeats, right? Can you see in your life that the people and the, the, just think about the hurts. The hurts that you feel the most deeply, is there not a pattern to those? The people, the kind of hurt, the same kind of pain. Why do you, why are you hurt in the same ways over and over? For me, it was criticism. My husband was, was critical. I say he has the gift of criticism. He has the gift of criticism. And I had a father wound. So it was a constant, but it hurt me. Why can't you ever be pleased? So what I know now is that pop quizzes, and this is not a Sonyaism, this is John of the Cross, our doctor of prayer. John of the Cross teaches that our suffering is not arbitrary. Our suffering is ordered to our woundedness. So you suffer in the same ways over and over and over again because you have a wound of a particular kind. And that particular wound is what the Holy Spirit is after. He's trying to heal that. But see, we don't know that. All we see is this person is being critical and I'm going to get you before you get me. So we think it's about the other person, but it's not about the other person. It's never about the other person. Pop quizzes are always it's about, about you and your vomit because there's a wound in there. And it's probably a mother or a father wound, but it's a wound and it affects how you see God the Father and how you relate to him or if you relate to him. As a dog returns to his vomit, so a fool repeats his folly. Pop quizzes. I call them pop quizzes now. Those situations that you get in with certain kinds of people, boom, you've been triggered, man, and you are either, if you're like me, you're aggressively angry. Watch me. You think you're going to control me? Watch how uncontrollable I can be. But if you're one of the opposite kinds of personality, you would, or if you grew up with someone abusive, physically abusive, you're not going to do that. You're, you don't want any part of that. So instead, you're a stuffer. We're going to pretend everything's okay because we don't want to rock the boat. We got to be careful. It's not safe. When God started to deal with me about my vomit, my anger, he used that verse, as a, as a dog returns to his vomit, so a fool repeats his folly. And I said, you know what, Lord, you're right. You are so right. That is me. But I can't help it. I can't help it. I don't even know what's wrong. And I'm sure he said to himself, I'm so glad you said that. Because he gave me a little tool, a little tool I'm going to share with you. I'm also going to walk you through this same tool step by step and we're going to identify one of your main wounds and the Holy Spirit is going to begin to work in that place on you tonight. But before I do that, I want to share this tool. Psalm 4.4, 4, 
Be angry and sin not. I said, I didn't even know that was possible. That you could be angry and not sin. Did y'all know that? I didn't know that. And not only that, but it's a command. Be angry. Anger is not bad. Anger is an emotion. It's a human emotion that is meant to keep you out of danger. It's a reaction against injustice. So anger in and of itself is not a bad thing. In fact, I say now, I say emotions are like puppies. You bring a puppy home, you bring it in the house, what's the first thing it does? It pees in the floor. So you're gonna take that puppy and cram its face down in the, in the pee and beat it? Talk to me. No, you're not, why? Because it's a puppy. Yeah, it's a puppy. Puppies have to pee. Puppies pee. But you don't want the puppy peeing in the house. You gotta teach the puppy where to pee. So anger is an emotion. Emotions are like puppies, they have to pee. You gotta let them be what they are. Whatever they are, you gotta let your emotions be what they are. But we gotta be careful about them, particularly anger, because anger will kill. It's destructive. If it's outward, it's destructive to other people. If it's inward, it's destructive to you. It will make you sick. Did you know that we know now that cancers are largely caused by repressed anger? Holy cow. So the stop tool helps us deal with some of those emotions. S is sin not. Be angry and sin not. St. Augustine said that God punishes the good with the evil for a time because the good did not correct the evil. So there's a place for anger, but we have to be careful with it. St. John Chrysostom said that he who is not angry when he has caused to be sins because excessive patience is the hotbed of many vices and causes even the good man to do wrong. So there's a place for anger, but sin not. So how do we sin in anger? By being aggressive, by taking it out on other people, by tearing up stuff, by attacking other people. But then there's another way. Because the Bible says that sin, right, is destructive. The definition of sin, in part, is destruction. Aggressive anger destroys others, and passive anger destroys you. And both of those are the wrong way to deal with anger. So what is the right way? I'm reading this, I'm like, Lord, be angry, but sin not, how do I do that? Meditate upon your heart on your bed and be still. Offer the sacrifices of righteousness and put your trust in the Lord. So the stop tool, stop. S is sin not. T is tell God. When the puppy has to pee, the only safe place is with God. All of that anger, tell him everything. 
tell him everything. This is what was said. This is what was done. This is how I feel. This is what I want to do. All your ugly thoughts, all your revenge thoughts, all your cursing, everything. You can take everything to him because he is safe. And it won't go any further. He's not going to tell your friend. He's not going to tell your parents. He's not going to tell. It's between him and you. But you got to get it out. It has to come out. You can't stuff it or you'll get sick. And you can't be aggressive on other people. It has to come out. How can you get it out? Lots of ways. You can punch a punching bag. You can take a tree limb and beat the crap out of another tree with a tree limb until the, the limb is nothing but a nub. Sometimes I have people write offenses on eggs, an egg, one offense per egg. Take the egg out and slam it. Watch it explode. It feels great. Take a plastic ball bat to something. Tear it up. Physically get the aggression out because here's, here's what we know. Physically, if you don't get that out, that's a, in some cases it's a trauma response. The fight or flight response, that energy, if you don't get that energy out, it compacts in your body. It has to have a place to go. Aggression is good so long as you're careful either to do it privately or if it's in the act of protecting something or someone yourself. But otherwise, we got to find a safe place. So sin not, S is sin not, T is tell God. I'll walk you through how to do that because I don't have time to, to explain all the steps, but I'm going to walk you through it and show you so you can see. T is tell God. Tell him everything. Here's one of the things that you really need to do in this step, in the T step. All right, yes, Holy Spirit, here we go. We're going to do it right now. I want you to think about the last time that you were really hurt. Really hurt or really angry or both. Because see, what's underneath anger is pain. That's what's underneath anger, pain. So close your eyes, ask the Holy Spirit. You probably have already seen your vomit. He's probably brought it to mind. I want you to think about the last time you were really hurt, particularly in that vomit, in that wound. And I want you to ask the Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit, is there a memory attached to this emotion? And I want you to pay really close attention to how your body feels when you remember that event how you felt, what was happening, where do you feel that in your body? Is it a tight chest? Is it your gut in a mess? Is your heart racing? Are you having a hard time breathing? What does your body feel like? And ask the Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit, is there a memory attached to this emotion and this physical symptom? When is the first time you can remember feeling exactly like that. That's usually your memory, one of them.
And now I want you to ask the Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit, what is the lie that I came to believe about myself in that event? And now very carefully, don't analyze, just receive it from him. Ask the Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit, what is the truth that you want to exchange with me for that lie? Now, if you can, ask Jesus into that memory. Just ask him to enter into it and watch what he does. Notice how your body feels. That emotion and that physical symptom is a signal to you that that is a pop quiz. That is where the Holy Spirit wants to work to heal you. And you will continue to have pop quiz after pop quiz after pop quiz to help you get deeper and deeper and deeper into that wound. And you'll get sick of going around that same mountain over and over, but he goes deeper every time. That's the T step. S is sin not, T is tell God. Once you can get to the root memory, the root emotion, the root physical symptom, once you can get to that, and allow the Holy Spirit to start moving in that and start to heal some of that, that's when you're ready for the O step. O is offer the right sacrifice. What is the right sacrifice? Well, how are you gonna know if you don't ask God? We think we know the right thing to do, and most of the time we're just winging it. We're just mad, so we just do whatever we think is the right thing to do. But what if the right thing to do is something different than we would imagine? So S is sin not. T is tell God. O is offer the right sacrifice. The right sacrifice is the sacrifice of righteousness. It's just the right thing. What's the right thing to do? And then P, put your trust in God. There were many times... In my relationship with my husband, he was, would offer his criticism, his constructive feedback, and it would just hurt me. And I would go to God and, you know, what's wrong with him? Why can't he ever see the good? Why is, you know, and I would just bawl and cry and be all mad and upset. And a lot of times he just said to me, Sonia, you just need to grow up. You need to grow up in charity. Turn the other cheek. But there were times that I had to put a boundary in place. And here's what I know about Catholics. We're not good at boundaries. We are not good at boundaries. You are not 
required. You didn't bring a Bible, so you're not going to know. But in Matthew 18, Jesus makes it very clear that we are not required to allow people to sin against us repeatedly. And in fact, if you continue to allow someone to sin against you repeatedly, you're complicit in their sin. You've enabled them. We all need boundaries. I needed a boundary that said, no more of that, thank you very much. Control yourself. Some of you need that kind of boundary. Get your anger under control with the Lord. But some of y'all need the other boundary. You're not allowed to do that to me anymore. Charity requires that we correct one another. That's what that whole stop tool is about. Be angry, but sin not. Anger is a sign of injustice. That vomit, though, is about you. It's not about them. So if you're feeling all the time like you're a doormat, you need to learn to put some boundaries in place. That's your re repeat, your vomit, over and over and over again. You get taken advantage of. You get walked on. You need to learn to put a boundary in place. Sometimes for yourself, sometimes for someone that you have a duty to, to protect. The Holy Spirit heals us through those things that we suffer in the patterns. Uh, C.S. Lewis said that, God's, that pain is God's megaphone to a deaf world. We don't do anything about stuff until it just gets unbearable. He just lets it go and go. We let it go and go and go, right? And we, we keep repeating the same behaviors and we keep repeating the same patterns because we don't realize that that is the Holy Spirit trying to get our attention so that we can cooperate with him. He is not mad at you. He understands why you self-medicate. He understands your patterns of sin. We only sin out of our own woundedness. The church tells us that sin comes from woundedness. We're sinned against, we're wounded, and we sin. All of our patterns of sin come from that woundedness. God knows that. He's not mad at you. You don't keep having the same thing happen over and over and over because he's upset at you. He's not upset at you. He's, now you know he's just trying to get your attention. Now the enemy wants to capitalize on your woundedness. He wants you to destroy yourself and everybody around you. And that's how that anger, when we let our anger get control of us, that's what happens. But so self-medication is the same way. I'm feeling a little ping from the Holy Spirit here, and we need to talk about sin for just a moment. So sin in the scriptures, the main definition is that it's destructive. You want to know if it's sin? Is it destructive? 
So I grew up hearing that the, the definition of sin is to miss the mark. And the idea was like a bullseye. And you got to hit the center. Well, the way I grew up, I'm like, <laughs> I can't hit the center, first of all, and nobody else can either. So why even try? Made no sense to me at all until I actually looked up the word. The word means a lot of things, but its main definition besides destruction is to forfeit. What are you forfeiting when you sin, when you have a pattern of sin? It's not a matter of a black mark on your soul. I mean, I guess there's something to that. But the, the main thing about sin is that it, first of all, it lays down ruts in the soul that are very hard to get out of. And that's what causes the destruction. And the longer we go in those habits, the more we forfeit. And ultimately, we can forfeit eternal life, which was another thing that didn't make sense to me. I, I, you know, I was like, oh well, eternal? What's that even going to look like? I know that's, it sounds blasphemous. I'm just saying that's how I saw it. What's the point? Well, the point is, think about God's own life. That's eternal life. That grace, that life of grace. Just imagine, what is God's life like? Is it purposeful? Is it beautiful? Is it meaningful? Is it happy? Yes. In fact, Jesus talked about on the Sermon on the Mount, he, he said, the church calls it the Beatitudes, blessed, but it means bliss. Bliss. That's the life we're all wanting. And that's the life you forfeit when you sin. Jesus said, love the Lord God with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind, and all your strength. This healing is how you do that. We don't even know what real love is. Some of us have never experienced it. We don't know what authentic love is. And it feels needy, doesn't it? It feels needy. Well, here, I got a little surprise for you. Think about Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden. What did the Adam and Eve need in the Garden of Eden? Everybody always says, nothing. It was paradise. Is that what you were thinking? Okay, well, just because they had it didn't mean they didn't need it. They needed food. They needed water. They needed work. They needed one another. They needed God. My point is that neediness is not a matter of sin, brokenness, or being messed up. Neediness is how you were made, male and female. In fact, what we know now is that love is the primary human need and is necessary for every stage of growth and development. It's biological. You can't grow and develop as a fetus or an infant or an adolescent or a teenager or a young adult or an adult or an old lady or an old woman without love, period. So your neediness, although it feels pathetic, 
is created. You're needy because you were made that way. The problem, though, is we don't know where to get the need met. So we're looking for it from all these people and all this stuff. And the only one that can fill that need is God himself. He's the only one that can fill that need. Have you not ever felt how it feels? Have you ever just really sat with that feeling of neediness? It's terrifying. It is absolutely terrifying. None of us want to sit with that, which is why we're out with Tom, Dick, and Harry, and Jane, and Sally, and Mary, and drinking at the bar, and watching the porn, and all the crap we do to cover how that feels. That neediness is terrifying. But that's how you know it is eternal. Only God can fill that need. Not your wife, not your husband, not your girlfriend, not your mom, not your dad. Nobody, nobody can fill that need. It is that deep. So your pop quizzes are not about the other person. They're about you and your neediness. And where are you going to get that neediness filled? Not with that other person. Can't you see that yet? It's not going to be them. It's not meant to be them. Now they can give you communion, right? We can share things with one another. But we cannot be healed by another human being. Only God heals. Why? Because only God can love you deep enough to heal you that deep. Love the Lord God with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind, all your strength. How can we even know what that looks like when we've never experienced it? Every wound comes from a, a love deficit. So if you feel needy, that's how you're made. If you have felt love deficits, the love you've received was not what you needed. Well, welcome to humanity, first of all. But secondly, the Holy Spirit is trying to heal you there. That's what your patterns of vomit are about. That's what your pop quizzes are about. So stop looking at the other people in your life that make you mad and upset you and hurt you. Stop looking at them and look at yourself. Practice the stop tool in every one of your pop quizzes and little by little by little what you're going to find is the Holy Spirit is healing you. The other way he does it, it's really, really important. And I don't mean to add something else to, you know, all the stuff you got going on. But this is the honest truth. You need to be in the scriptures, in the readings of the church every single day. People say to me all the time, God never speaks to me. I, I, I've never heard God speak to me. He speaks every single day in the readings of the church. Every day. Every day. That is the Holy Spirit's word to you. I got direction about what to, to offer today in the readings today. He directs us. He helps us. As a dog return to his, returns to his vomit, so a fool repeats his folly. That came from the scriptures. The stop tool, it came from the scriptures. He uses his word to heal us. 
It is living. It is powerful. It gets down in the nitty-gritty. So be in the readings every day. Let your emotions be what they are. Let the puppy pee. If you're pissed off, then say you're pissed off. But get with God and do it with Him because He's the only one who knows what the real issues are. S is sin not. Whatever your vomit is, whatever you go to every time when you get a pop quiz and your self-medication, whatever it is, mine was anger, and, and then when I couldn't do that anymore, then I you know, tried all kinds of other stuff. But whatever that is, sin not. T, tell God. Go through that process. I want to tell you, um, there should be business cards over on the table, but, but you can sign up at my website for this stop tool where you'll get five emails in a row that will walk you through every step of it, and you can print it so that you have a copy of it and when you have a pop quiz, you can go through the whole thing, the physical part, the, the mental part, the emotional, emotional part, all of it. Get with God and practice that stop tool, and I promise you, you will get healed. He wants it more than you do. Aren't you tired of writhing around in pain? Wishing somebody would do something? Well, he's been doing something. One very important thing. So the enemy attacks us in our woundedness. And woundedness comes from sin. Sin that has been sinned against us and sins that we sin. So we got to look at our patterns of sin, first of all. We got to... We to go to him to get some self-control on those. S is sin not, right? But then another really important weapon against the enemy. In that memory that the Holy Spirit brought to mind and that person in that memory, you gotta forgive them. You got to. Now let's talk about forgiveness. Because in Matthew 18, Jesus tells us what forgiveness is and what it's not. He tells a parable about a man who owes a whole lot of money, like a, a billion bucks, something like that. Too much money to ever pay back in one whole lifetime. And he forgives the whole debt. And that same guy turns around and strangles another person who owes about a hundred bucks. And this is what Jesus says at the end of that. When his fellow servants saw what had been done, they were very grieved and came and told their master all that had been done. And his master, after he called him, said to him, you wicked servant, I forgave you all that debt because you begged me. Should you not also have had compassion on your fellow servant just as I had pity on you? And his master was angry and delivered him to the torturers until he should pay all that was due him. Here's my question. Who are the torturers? The torturers are the demons. And unforgiveness is demonic torture. And Jesus says in this parable, it's not about feeling 
happy about that person. It's not about emotions at all. It has nothing to do with emotion. Nothing. It has nothing to do with pretending that it didn't happen or saying that it's okay because it's not that either. All it is, according to this parable in Matthew 18, all forgiveness is, is the cancellation of a debt. What did that person owe you? My dad owed me unconditional love. He owed me time. He owed me tenderness. He owed me protection. He owed me provision. And finally, he owed me an apology. That's what he owed me. But forgiveness says, you don't owe me anymore. Not even an apology. And that's it. It's not an emotion. No more expectation. No more looking for that thing they owe you. Because the truth is, they do owe you. And that is going to make you mad. They owe you. But forgiveness says, I'm writing it off. No more debt. You don't owe me anymore. When I, holy cow, this is how God taught me this lesson. This was brutal, I'm telling you, brutal. God started asking me to call my dad and ask him to forgive me for flipping him off that day. I said, mm-mm, I'm not doing that. I'm just being honest. I can't, I can't do it. I can't do it, Lord. It's not even that I, I mean, I didn't want to do it. He knew I didn't want to do it. <laughs> I even said, I'm not doing it. But I couldn't do it. I couldn't. And every day in the readings, every day, did you call your dad? Well, Lord, you know, you are God. So you know, of course I haven't. Every day, did you call your dad? Did you call your dad? New. No. And then I got smart. I said, if you can make me want to, I'll do it. Now, I never did really want to do this. In fact, when I finally picked up the phone to do it, I thought I was going to throw up. And I, my heart was beating so hard and so fast I could barely breathe. But I did it because I wanted God to be proud of me. So I picked up the phone and I, I called my dad. I was so hurt that God would even ask this of me because the one time, the one time in my entire life that I stood up for myself. And now I had to ask him to forgive me. Hurt me, boy. I'm like, you know what, Lord? You're going to pick the one thing. Now, I had all kinds of other problems. <laughs> so I pick up the phone, I call my dad, and it was exactly like I knew it would be. I cannot believe that one of my daughters would speak to her father that way. And I said, I'm bawling, you know. I said, well, I only called because Jesus asked me to. Click. And I hung up. 
But I want to tell you, I want to tell you, I swear, that's how it went. I'm not proud of it, but at least all I could think is, I did what you asked, Lord. <laughs> I was free. I was free of him from that moment on. Free. It felt like, it felt like, how many of y'all have ever gone fishing? Okay, well, here's how it feels. When you get a fish on, on the hook, it pulls the line really tight. And you can feel it on the other end of it. And it pulls the line. When I hung up that phone, it was like God just took a pair of scissors and clipped, clipped that, that line in two. And it was over. It was over. Now, I still had a lot of healing to do. But I'm telling you that that hold that that person still has on you, you still think about them and you worry about them, especially our parents, right? You want them to think well of you. You do everything to try to please them or to, or to influence them. It was over at that point. I was free. I was completely free. But I still had to put boundaries in place where he's concerned because he would have continued to hurt me over and over and over again if I had let him because he's that kind of person. He's, he's actually, he's dangerous, to be honest. And some people just are. And we just have to know. We have to learn. You can't let them sin against you. If you say to someone, I don't like that, please don't do it again. And they do it again, here's my rule. You can do that to me once and I'll completely forgive it. And I'll say to you, please don't do that. And if you do it again, I might give you a second shot, but I promise you, you will not get a third. You get to decide how people are gonna treat you. And if you ask for respect and they don't give it, then they are not interested in an authentic love relationship with you and you need to cut that off. Jesus said so in Matthew 18. So forgiveness does not mean necessarily that you're going to have, continue to have a relationship with them. I don't have much of a relationship with my dad. He's not safe. I love him. I have masses said for him. He gets two a month. I love him, but I do not spend time with him. I don't let him spend time with my kids. I don't let him inside my marriage. He would destroy it. And I had to learn that, and it's a hard lesson. But I'm telling you, the freedom on the other side of that healing and the freedom and the peace of those boundaries, I wouldn't trade that for anything. And when you get a taste of that, how it feels to not be pissed off all the time, to not be upset and hurt all the time, when you get a taste of how that feels, you will never go back. You'll just keep on plugging in that healing. Send me another pop quiz, Lord. Send it to me. S is send not. T is tell God. O is offer the right sacrifice. And P is put your trust in God. Very important that we let the puppy pee. Whatever your emotions are, they just are. They're not good, bad, right, or wrong. It's how we behave out of them that can get us in trouble. Unforgiveness is an open door to the enemy as much as sin. 
got to shut that door because if you don't, it's going to torment you. Not only that, but you have opened yourself to attack, which means fear, anxiety. The Bible says God did not give us a spirit of fear, but of power and love and self-control. Fear and anxiety does not come from God. It comes from the enemy. Why do we have it? First of all, we have sin habits. We have thought habits. We have unforgiveness. We gotta close those doors. Guard our peace. Forgive. Get thee to confession and forget that forgiveness taken care of. It's just the cancellation of a debt. It's a matter of the will. It has nothing to do with how you feel. So just do it. Close that door. And then watch. Because I promise you that probably in the next week you're going to have a pop quiz. How do I know? Because you're sitting right here learning about it. And did you notice in the parable, what's today, Monday, yesterday, the sower? When the sower sows the seed, he scatters it everywhere. And in that day, then he plowed. He sowed the seed first, and then he plowed it under. I just sowed a bunch of seed in here in the last hour, and you're going to get a plowing. So expect a pop quiz, but you're not being punished. You're not being punished. I want you to, to really pay attention. How does my body feel? What are my thoughts? What is the lie that I came to believe about myself just then? And when was the first time I felt like that? What's the memory attached to that? What is the truth the Holy Spirit wants to tell me and exchange with me for that lie? Can Jesus enter into that? Can he enter into the immediate situation? And what about the original? The one that's connected to all of this emotion? What's the right thing to do now? Do I put a boundary in place? I have to forgive. So we've covered S, sin not, T, tell God, O, offer the right sacrifice, and P, put your trust in God. Let him deal with that person. Let him deal with them when you put a boundary in place. Because see, when you start to do that, it's going to make a lot of people upset. They're going to get upset because you're changing the dynamic. But let them get upset. You won't die. You won't die. Put your trust in God. God will take care of it. So they're upset. They won't die and neither will you. Healing the father wound comes a little bit at a time. Line upon line, precept upon precept, pop quiz upon pop quiz. A little at a time. But as soon as you get to a root memory, and I hope, I, I saw many of of you, I think you might have, as soon as you get to a root memory and you tie that with the emotion and the pattern, it changes everything. Suddenly you have God's perspective on what you're suffering and the situations that you've been in over and over and over. And once you have his perspective, you have his peace. Amen? All right, let's pray in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, we thank you that you renew all things. 
Lord Jesus, we thank you that you made that renewal and that healing possible through your death and resurrection and ascension and the sending of the Holy Spirit to dwell with us forever and heal us from the inside out. Our thoughts, our emotions, our bodies, and our souls. And God the Father, we thank you that you sent your Son for that very purpose. Make each soul here a fit tool for you and your plan of salvation. I pray for that healing in thoughts, that the fear be erased, anxiety be gone. I pray for the illumination of those emotions and the memories that are attached and the healing of those emotions. I pray for the physical symptoms that have already begun. I pray for illumination on those symptoms, the connections, the metaphors, the messages that those physical symptoms are sending us about the condition of our emotions and our thoughts and our souls. In the name of Jesus Christ, Son of God, I command you to be healed. And twice, in the name of Jesus Christ, Son of God, I command you to be healed. And thrice, in the name of Jesus Christ, Son of God, for the completion of all things, for the perfection of his reflection in you, I command you to be healed. St. Michael, St. Gabriel, St. Raphael, St. Spiridon, St. Pio, please come and pray with us. Pray with us for full and complete healing. Lord, these, your people, we, each of us, your people, we yearn for your love. And we ask for that experience of you and the healing that comes with it. Pour your spirit, your love, your mercy, your light down on us right now from the tops of our heads to the bottoms of our feet, on us, in us, through us, with us, around us, pour your love on us. Thank you, Blessed Mother, for wrapping us in your mantle. Keep us close to the Sacred Heart. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.